Hello again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, the podcast about everything lesbian and lady-loving queer. Uh, today I have a super special guest and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Yeah, uh, hi, my name is Emma Jury. Uh, I'm a film student and like digital media creator. I feel like I can't call myself a filmmaker. That's a little too pretentious and not super accurate. Uh, but I work mostly in the digital landscape. Um, I just finished releasing my first series called Recon, which is like a queer spy show. Um, I've also worked for Pemberley Digital and uh, the man behind that company, Bernie Sue, on Emma Approved and his new show, Artificial. Um, and generally, I'm excited to be here. And I'm super excited to talk to you because I've, <laughs> I've seen your stuff around. I've been like, I'm going to put that on to do list and I'm going to watch it. <laughs> And then you came to me first and I was like, oh, here we go. So it's always crazy to me when like people have no, like heard of my show or heard of me because I'm, I'm like a 20 year old in college and it, it just blows my mind every time. That does sound amazing. I actually ran into, anyway, I ran into a person actually in real life who had listened to my podcast and I freaked out for like 20 minutes. They were like, oh, that's you. That's awesome. That's cool. They left. I was still reeling for like 20 minutes. <laughs> Honestly, the first time I saw someone post fan art of um, my show, I was I was home for Christmas with my parents, and I was talking to my mom. And then all of a sudden, I was I just looked at my phone, saw the alert, opened it, and then burst into tears, just like full on, just started crying. Ten seconds, it like ten seconds ago, I was fine, and then my mom was looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a it's a beautiful feeling. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and there's really like no way to prepare for like how much it means to you until people start appreciating your work. Like there's just no way to prepare for it. And I'm sure they would. So, so queer spies. That, yes. That sounds amazing. For one, <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting Deb feels, but I feel like it's mm -hmm. probably going to be better than Deb's because you're not going to have the production company saying you can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is a comparison that has followed us since we started crowdfunding. I'm and so sorry. <laughs> No, I mean, it, it's something I have come to accept, but to be completely honest, I've never seen it. <laughs> I just like, I didn't know it existed until someone commented on the campaign, like getting Deb's vibes. Um, I, I don't think I saw it until I was in college either. It's just, it's one yeah. of those shows that, you know, it's, it's a queer show. So it's like under the radar for like so long until you're searching for it. Yeah. And I honestly, like I... I just like spies and I happen to be queer. So it was really just kind of an organic thing. It, it surprised me that it was already out there, but we hope to avoid some of the criticisms we've seen about Debs. Um, we definitely didn't have like any production company telling us to censor ourselves or, or um, anything like that. It's, it's just pure unadulterated queerness, um, <laughs> which makes us happy. So that's super fantastic. I unfortunately, have not seen the show yet. I am going to make amends for that after this is over, I swear. But why don't you tell us and me what the show's about? Yeah. Um, so it's about a college freshman named Ava Lee, uh, who is recruited from uh, recruited to a spy school from uh, her like small Midwestern town uh, in Missouri. And it's it's very meta because um, it starts out pretty typical, like, um, you know, she has a terrifying roommate, she meets her first crush, uh, everything like that. Um, you know, the very typical 
uh, baby queer goes to college thing with uh, some spy twists. But then halfway through the season, uh, she finds out that someone has been watching her through security cameras and recording her life and uploading them online. And, you know, the show exists within its own universe. um, And it's all about them trying to figure out who's watching them and take them down. Um, Yeah. Cool. That is very scary <laughs> like without the spy undertones that's still incredibly scary yeah <laughs> it's a little like the concept is a little dark um it's very meta but honestly the tone of the show is very light and positive because i i am one of those people who's just i've had enough of the dark queer shows where people die and it's all sad i just want to see you know some happy gays try and be spies and that's what I decided to make. That's actually really, really wonderful. Cause mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It always feels like people are like, okay, we're going to, we're going to make this and we're going to make it impactful. And then it always turns mm-hmm. out really depressing for queer people. Yeah. And you know, like, I feel like for so many queer teenagers, especially TV and the internet and YouTube, it's, it's just an escape, you know? Um, and I wish that there was more lighthearted content out there that you could really just kind of escape to and see people, you know, be happy and exist and do cool things um, without, you know, people dying or it being really dark and depressing and, you know, having your family hate you. And so I tried to make that as best as I could um, try and move the needle, so to speak. I would love a queer sitcom that wasn't actually just a straight woman and a, her gay best friend <laughs> that would not to, not to spin on will and grace yes that that show's amazing but i would love to have more gay sitcoms i know especially you know sitcoms with queer women because every single sitcom that i know of at least that has like gay characters they're gay men you know like modern family and will and grace like it, it's there's very very little visibility for queer women or queer non-binary people and it, it I don't understand it I mean I don't if you I don't even here you're completely wrong you know like I, I the, some of the funniest people I know are queer women and they exactly. have sorry you know, excuses there are no excuses I I don't understand <laughs> people's resilience to change I really I don't so yeah. I can't speak for them, and I certainly don't understand what we can do to rectify it when I don't understand what their problem is. Honestly, but. I mean, how could you not want a scene where, you know, a, a queer woman spends like 20 minutes trying to figure out how to talk to a girl who absolutely has a crush on her? You know, oh <laughs> there's there's so much room for comedy, and no one's taking advantage of it. It's That's honestly the real tragedy. I know. I think I had a I had a talk with somebody earlier who she was she was just talking about the pure comedy gold around two lesbians trying to have a baby, especially with turkey baster <laughs> jokes, which apparently are almost one hundred percent accurate. <laughs> and she was like, "How does no one see the comedy gold in this?" Honestly, Hollywood doesn't know what they're missing. They don't. They think if it doesn't have to do with white straight men, then it's not funny. And I'm just like, that yep. is lies. Yeah. Honestly, white straight men have had their their moment. I mean, we've done all the comedy there. It's time to focus on someone else. They've had their moment for the last 2,000 years. Please, can we move on? (laughs) Oh, goodness. So you've 
made and created this whole web series of uh, yourself with the help of others. How many episodes do you guys have? So that's actually a, a weirdly tricky question. Um, because okay. one, I was kind of an asshole about it. Um, <laughs> I, I, we conceived the show as, as 20 episodes, 21 episodes with a half episode. So there are technically 21 episodes that are numbered with whole numbers, but we also have episode 17.5. Um, that is a monologue from the perspective of the show's villain, almost, uh, the person who's watching them and editing the videos. Um, so somewhere between 21 and 22 episodes, um, I was also uh, completely horrible to my audience. Um, and there was a 21, 21st episode planned the entire time that we told no one about and we worked up our finale like this will be the last episode this will be the last episode and then about two weeks later dropped the real finale um and so so oh some God. people yeah um so most people thought that it would be 20 episodes we had two surprise episodes so honestly you could say anywhere from 20 to 22 episodes would probably be accurate I mean who could complain about that <laughs> really <laughs> There's, there's some room in there to to have some words with me <laughs> about that last one. So how long are each episode? Um, they vary from four minutes to 15 minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, there's a lot of variation, which is one of the reasons I, I love web series and love digital, because for us, it was, it was never about like page length or um, trying to fit within certain markers. It was, it was really done based on what story is this episode trying to tell you know like how does this fit into the bigger picture and then we took the room we needed um to tell that that little piece of the story um so we have a couple longer episodes in there um the 20th episode is like uh one of the longer ones i think it ended up being 14 minutes um we also have a couple episodes that are really like emotional and and focus on um the characters just sitting and talking to each other and, and getting into um, into to their backstories, to their personalities, their traumas, um, everything. And those tend to be longer too because we wanted to take the time to give our character to, to do them justice, essentially. Um, but then there are the shorter ones with uh, you know some cliffhangers in there uh, and some kind of just cute little moments that we we thought would we'd want to show, um, that weren't, you know, that didn't need to take up as much time. So it definitely sounds like you have a lot of respect for your characters, which is really awesome. <laughs> I love them so much. <laughs> I think I'm like a year and a half into this project now and I will protect them, um, to no ends. I, I, I adore them. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I spent the first two or three months of developing recon focused entirely on the characters. The original concept of the show has changed a couple times, but, you know, the first thing that came to me was uh, Ava, the main character, and her um, love interest, Ren. And then from there, I, I built out the characters. So I've been with these people for a year and a half, and I just keep falling in love with them. Um, and so, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, a total slut for character development. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, apparently that still applies to my own characters, even though I get to decide what happens. I still, you know, want to do right by them. 
That is absolutely charming. Um, so how long did it take you to make up the script? Did you write the script or did you have help with it? I guess maybe we should go through the process of how this this opportunity arose because this is amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it wasn't really an opportunity arose. It was uh, I am stubborn and made it happen for the first year or so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was, it was back when I was uh, like, I was, uh, I had just finished my freshman year of college because I'm a small child. Um, so I was like 18. Um, I was in Connecticut for the summer um, uh, because I, I go to school in LA at USC, but I, I went home for the summer and, and there's not much to do in rural Connecticut. Um, and I actually, I went to an online high school uh, so none of my friends live in Connecticut with me. So I couldn't like go to see anyone or anything like that. Um, so it was just me and a notebook for the entire summer. And I started scribbling and coming up with this idea um, and eventually brought it to uh, another queer fil filmmaker that I know uh, who also has her own web series called Fallen Justice, um, which you can actually find on the... Uh, Oh goodness, I can't remember what it's called, but there's a, a horror YouTube channel that it's on, and if you search Fallen Justice web series, you can find it. Um, but she and I are two of the only like queer web series makers at USC, and so I, I brought it to her. Um, and she has a club called Queer Cut at USC, that is you know the queer film Oregon campus, and she was trying to revitalize it. And I said, what if we did a writers' room with queer students? we took this concept and we built it out, out over the course of a semester. And that's how it started. Um, so it was me and I think three other queer writers in a room with the concept and with characters and with nothing else. Um, and so we spent, you know, a, an entire semester developing uh, the plot, working at the details, breaking the story. Um, and then in the end we recruited several other writers, not all from USC, and assigned scripts, and we wrote it. Um, so I, I obviously, like, I had my hand in all of it. I, I was the showrunner from the start, um, but it was a labor of love from several people, um, most of them queer teenagers at the time, um, and it, that's what it's been from the start. Um, all of the writers are queer kids. Um, I think all of them are queer college students, not all from USC. Um, and we, we made this, this thing together and, uh, we actually ended up, we ended up having to split from USC, which is where some of the, the greater opportunities for us came in because our show was actually purchased by Bernie Sue studio 96 next. Um, and Bernie and, uh, the team at 96 executive produced it. Um, but we were trying to make it through USC as, as a student project, but um, because of some complicated uh, SAG contracts, um, like the Screen Actors Guild contracts that they have with USC and some complications around that, we ended up having to go independent. Um, but everyone on, on the project has contributed like in a really deep way. And we're all just kids trying to make something we love. What is this? What is this secret SAG thing? Like I hear it thrown around a lot that that's how people... Become Ugh. actors or something, but I let's be real. I'm I'm small town Texas. I know yep. nothing of Hollywood. <laughs> yep. Um. I didn't know anything about SAG because I'm. I mean, I'm small town Connecticut until I had to deal with them. Uh, but SAG is the Screen Actors Guild. It is a complicated, inefficient, and super important organization. 
Um, I have a lot of bitterness about SAG, but I'll, I'll try to be objective here. Um, it's essentially the union for actors uh, across the country. Um, and it tries to protect them by mandating certain like day rates. Like you can't pay SAG actors less than, I think like, it actually varies, but in Hollywood, I think it's uh, under $125 a day. Um, they have a, a bunch of essentially like labor standards for how long actors can work, um, you know, when they need, when they're required to take breaks, when you can require an actor to do something. It, it's just a union um, for actors, but it, it it has different contracts for every different type of um, project. So like TV, new media, and film all have very different contracts, uh, which means you can pay actors differently. Um, and there are a lot of rules about what you need to do to become a SAG production. And we are a SAG new media production um, because a couple of our actors are SAG actors um, and we, we weren't allowed to hire them unless we became a SAG approved production. Um, and it's, it's, it's mostly just a very complicated organization, which is why people complain about it a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and especially if you work in digital media, uh, they're still playing catch up, essentially, in, in my opinion, on how best to manage it, because people working in new media are super low budget, uh, often, you know, fresh faced filmmakers <laughs> like my team. Um, and it's just very hard to navigate. And SAG doesn't really understand how to how to work with us quite yet. Um, I see. It sounds like something that's been in place for hundreds of years and probably hasn't changed much. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably not too many changes. But ultimately, I mean, obviously, unions are super important and abusing actors is not a good thing. And that's Absolutely. trying to stop. It's just... And if we know anything from Hollywood, that's what they're known for. <laughs> oh, yes. Make people suffer for their art. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully that's not what happened on my show, but... <laughs> I don't know. Oh, if I if I hit up some of your actors, will they will they feel the same? <laughs> um, well, uh, they might complain about one day that we were shooting in we we're shooting in July in Los Angeles in an attic that did not have air conditioning. Oh my uh, god! Yeah, but cast and crew alike will complain about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and we bought everyone ice cream afterwards, so hopefully we made amends. Yay! It's <laughs> delicious. Well, I'm mm -hmm. just. I am so impressed by you guys. Like, <laughs> like you were like fresh out of high school, starting all of this yeah. stuff and just making something for yourselves when there is no one else to provide it for you. And it's just, it's freaking amazing. Like I'm sitting here and I can hardly finish a fan fiction that I've been writing for like three months. Like, <laughs> tell us, how do you, how do you find the drive for this? I mean, I'm sure you have got to have some of the same thing. I mean, you're doing this podcast, which is amazing. Um, but I think it, it's, it's hard when you're queer to find media that really relates to your experience. And even though there are, there's become more and more kind of queer media, a lot of what's out there is about, you know, the struggles of being queer, you know, the difficulties of being queer and all of those are valid, but, you know, I mean, I'm the Tumblr native, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I think I've spent six years on on that uh particular form yeah um but you know you see all of these these queer teenagers who are just you know so in love with fictional characters who love 
you know, Doctor Who and Sherlock and sci-fi and fantasy and, you know, anything the CW does, you know, who love to get lost in fictional worlds. And it's so heartbreaking that there's not like more characters that we can relate to because I don't spend my time wanting to watch other queer people suffer through, you know, the pains of coming out. You know, I've done that. I've seen that. I'm, I'm a, just a human like everyone else. I want to see cool things happen. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I always knew I wanted to do uh, like television and, and film. And now it's just, you know, there's, there's more drive to do it because I love doing it but someone needs to do it. And I think I, I I feel very lucky in a lot of ways that I was able to find the tools to do it. Um, But a lot of it was just this kind of need to share a story that seemed to be, to excite a lot of the queer people around me. You know, like when I would tell you know, all my friends are queer, you know, and you know how it, like, it just happened <laughs> <laughs> to queer people. But every time I would tell them about it, they got really excited. Um, because queer people are as desperate for cool content as straight people. Um, we just don't get content that has us in it. So the idea of like something cool and exciting and gay spies, um, you know, which to queer people are just spies I have more in common with, um, really excited people. and. It, it eventually just kind of motivated me to actually make it because I saw people really light up when they heard about it, um, become really enthusiastic about the content. And that's kind of been true throughout the process. And even now as people actually see it, you know, it's it's just so inspiring and motivating to see people be excited and happy, especially queer people who, you know, don't get that that often. That's amazing. I love it. I love <laughs> hearing about people taking the initiative and going out there and making it for them. Because I, I see people online all day yelling at creators that they need to put queer meets, queer people in their stuff. And we need to start making our own. We can't wait yeah. on big names to turn around and decide that they're going to make queer stuff. I mean, we've um, been we've been kind of... We've well, been making this We've been, yes, we have been doing a great job in putting our foot forward and saying, we need this. And I'm so glad for people to see them taking a step to say, look, this is what we need. We can't be ignored. It's even mm-hmm. more amazing when people make their own stuff. And uh, I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah. And I mean, there's totally like a market out there for that. I mean, Carmilla's yeah. success proves that. Um, love it. But yeah, I mean, there's honestly nothing more inspiring than watching like other queer creators, you know go out and do their thing because I I mean also do we really want you know straight executives in Hollywood deciding what is queer representation we we really don't like that's just going to go so horribly really well we've seen it several times where they were like yeah "Yeah, well what whatever we'll just do like okay yeah I hate to bring up Lexa every time or the 300 every time I have to make this point but it's like they knew that wasn't a good idea. They were warned about it and they decided it was a non-issue because it was something they couldn't relate to. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, like, ugh, queer culture, like queer digital culture is so creative and rich and inspiring. I mean, even just like fan fiction, you know, 
honestly, I'm not sure I've come across a straight fan, fin- fan fiction writer in a while, and that just might be my circles, but queer people are already out there creating, you know, it, they just happen to be creating fan works. And I'm really excited for when, you know, more of those creators start pushing their own content, their own stories, their own creators, and, and really like advocating for that. Um, because it's really hard, you know, my show has, you know, the back, like professional backing, you know, our executive producer is a two-time Emmy winner. We got given, we were given money to make the show. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm still like fighting for followers, fighting for subscribers. Um, and it's hard, but I think once queer creators start doing that and pushing for themselves, there's so many amazing, talented creators out there already who are going to do amazing once they fight for it. I'm just so at all. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. Like, usually I'm a little more composed than this, but I'm just like, damn, she went out and did this. <laughs> I'm, I will say I'm also very stubborn in general. Um, like, one of the things that was said at my high school graduation that I was a force to be reckoned with, and it was said... Love that. I think it was said as a compliment, but I'm not entirely sure. I mean, uh, even if even if you're in your yearbook, you are known as the girl who's the force to be reckoned with. You're still the girl out there making your own yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, but so how long um, how long was the production process? Because now I'm just like so curious about yeah. everything. Um. So pre-production, like the writing process, took eight months ish I think um but to be completely honest we were writing and rewriting up until you know while we were shooting um we shot 15 days um over the course of last summer so the summer of 29 for uh, the summer of 2018 um and then editing took uh almost immediately after we stopped filming in July uh to up until about three weeks ago when I was editing the final episode <laughs> So all in all, about a year and a half. And I think we both know the banes of editing. Did someone help you edit or did you do that all yourself? Oh my gosh. If I had had to do it all myself, that would have been a tragedy. Um, (laughs) One of the perks of going to film school is that you have like such talented people around you. Um, So I was not, I only edited my, I, I only edited one episode start to finish. So I only did um like the rough cut the string cut whatever you want to call it like I I only did one of those but um you can tell me it's called whatever I will not know the difference (laughs) yeah I'm I'm not entirely the most educated person to talk about this um but I edited the final episode I think there were six or seven other editors who worked on the rest of them um I ended up doing color on three or four episodes audio edits on a few episodes uh, VFX edits on a few episodes. Oh God. I, I basically, if I, if my editors who were all students didn't have time, um, which is totally understandable, I would kind of have to step in and fix the minor details or, you know, again, do like the VFX pass. Um, so I've, I've done it all at this point, but if I had to do it all for all of it, I don't know if the show would exist. (laughs) I feel you that that is a true labor of love because it's like Mm -hmm. you go out and do it but like that soft that soft buff and polish I mean Mm -hmm. oh I totally understand very few of our episodes were like in their final form the morning that they were post they were supposed to be posted (laughs) (laughs) 
It's terrible. But Very still, true. high five for going through that labor of love. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, when you have a project you care about, you kind of don't have a choice, I found. Like, I just, like, I couldn't help myself from trying to fix it. You know, it was just, oh, it's a demon inside me that, like, makes me do it. I mean, that, that demon's going to make you do fantastic things. I already know it. That's what I'm hoping. <laughs> um, but, you know. So, Spies, what yes. what made you, what, where does your love from Spies come from, since that's the thing that you chose? <laughs> you know, I've gotten that question a lot over the past year and a half. and. Really? I didn't have an answer until I started to think about it. Um, but I honestly, like, I read the Gallagher Girls series, which is a very straight series, but a, it's, like, about a high school for spies. And I loved that series as a kid. And then I started reading The 39 Steps, um, which is that uh, series written by a bunch of different authors that had, like, uh, it had like trading cards in every book and you could collect the cards and figure out the mystery. Um, I got really into that. Uh, I wanted to join the FBI for a while. Um, I love Hitchcock and his spy thriller. So it's, it's just like something I found myself fascinated with my entire life. And honestly, the Gallagher girls is an am amazing series. It's meant for like 12 year olds. <laughs> I, still love it with all of my heart <laughs> um that's all right no shame in that game <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know I, I think like every like the idea of like a fantasy school or an action school or like you know like sky high is a uh, school for superheroes mm -hmm. Gallagher mm -hmm. girls is school for spies um Harry Potter is school for wizards it's not a it's not a rare thing um and I think a lot of people like, like a lot of kids my age love that idea and I I went with it. I just love spies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a bad answer. I've never no, been able it's to a good answer. A good answer because it's just it's just me being a dork. I think at the end of the day, I don't know. I mean, it's still a good answer because it has <laughs> it has roots. Your answer isn't yeah. oh well. I saw it was trending lately, and I thought I could get a piece of that or anything that you oh. could you could literally hear from hearing interviews with other writers is oh well everyone was about this, so I hopped on board. Yeah. And I mean, there's also no shame in that game because you're doing something yeah. to get noticed. And who uh -huh. knows? It might actually be your niche. Who knows? Yeah. But I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, spies are cool. You know, James Bond is, like, famous for a reason. Spies are awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just made them gay. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> Did you see... Oh, my gosh. What is that movie called? Someone's Gonna Burn Me Alive. What... Uh, the one with Cerise Theron in it. That... Uh, Atomic Blonde. That was it. Gosh, no. it was around the tip of my tongue. I heard that movie was... Okay. I hear I... a lot of things about that movie. Because yeah. the lead on that one's bisexual. Is she? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I think that came out while we were shooting. Oh my and the, the thing that, you know, they don't tell you about making a web series is that you will have no time for anything <laughs> while you're making it. So I, I think the last movie I saw in theaters might have been Ocean's 8. I mean, that's <laughs> still an amazing movie, and I still haven't seen that. Amazing to be movie. fair, I haven't seen either one of those movies. <laughs> it's the so. only one I saw. I honestly didn't really understand. Like, I didn't really know anything about the Oceans series. 
Um, but it was actually like, it was a crew field trip. Um, like we just all went to go see it together. Um, because we had heard a lot of good things from like other gay friends of ours. Um, and (laughs) so we just went and we saw that and then we saw the Incredibles and, um, that is the last time I made it to a movie theater. (laughs) So, so how did you feel about Ocean's Eight? I really liked it. I didn't have, okay. I am the type of person who, for blockbuster movies, I lower my standards. Like, I'm not expecting, like, anything deep or meaningful. I'm just, I'm looking to have a good time. And so that's what I went in expecting from Ocean's 8, and that's what what I got. Um, I love Aquafina. I love Anne Hathaway. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Sandra Bullock was fantastic. Kate Blanchett was fantastic. It was just a good time, and I loved it. You know, I'm not, I'm not here to say it's the best movie of the year, but it's just so enjoyable and so fun to see like badass ladies do badass things. I mean, I would, I would sit through an hour long movie just watching badass ladies do badass things. I have, I have been known to do that even when the movie is not that great. Like Sucker Punch (laughs) is still one of those movies I would call a good movie, even though everyone stares at me like, why? And I'm like, did you? Did, you, did we not watch the same movie? Like, I get that it was confusing as hell, but... <laughs> it's fun to see women kick ass and take names. Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's let's go more into your background. Yeah, totally. Tell us how you became this awesome ass-kicking woman. <laughs> um, I mean, with specifically with regard to film, I honestly decided that I was going to do it when I was, like, 10. And someone gave me a video camera for the first time. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. Like I decided my life's aspirations when I was like in fourth grade, which was probably a bad decision, but <laughs> I'm here, so it's a little too late to back out. Um, but I went to Montessori school and uh we did these like year-long projects every year. Um, and one year I just decided to make a movie. Um and I really liked it, I fell in love with it. Um, I was, I, I'm, my parents are, are bleeding heart liberals and raised me to be super feminist. So I was super pissed that all directors in Hollywood were men. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to Hollywood and, and be a woman and it's going to happen. You're welcome. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah, it kind of stuck. Um, so I've, I've always just loved film. Um, you know, I, the first time I saw a Wes Anderson film, I was just like riveted. Um, couldn't stop. My father is a huge Japanese film buff. Um, so I, I saw probably more than my fair share of samurai films growing up. Um, and I just like, I kept that dream. And so when it came time to apply to college, I only applied to film schools in California. Um, I was lucky enough to get into USC. Uh, (laughs) and that, that little chapter has been kind of yeah, I mean, I was I was lucky enough to get into USC, and that you know things have kind of uh, domino affected from there. I've met like incredible people who have who have only pushed me to be better at film. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, Montessori school is so loosely structured that it always gave me the time to do what I wanted um, and like experiment and try projects. And I think that has really stuck with me. Just like. I'm going to choose something to do and then I'm going to do it. Um, and that's really been true my whole life. Like, uh, I went to an online high school because I decided I didn't want to go to like the schools near me. I just like, 
I decided I wanted to go to USC when I was 15. You know, I've always been the type of person who just sets a goal and goes after it. I would even love to sit in the room as you tell your parents that you don't want to go to school around you. Like, (laughs) how, how did that conversation go? Also, I had no idea they were like, online high schools like I knew their homeschooling was a thing (laughs) but it didn't really occur to me that you could like like online college you can just do online high school yeah so uh obviously like with Montessori school um you know my parents are super open to alternative education um and a lot of the people around me ended up homeschooled um once we finished Montessori school because my school ended in sixth grade um but uh, I went to Catholic school, um, both my for for seventh grade. Both of my parents are uh, high school teachers. Um, they both teach English. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, and they obviously like they just couldn't stay home to homeschool me. You know, they were teaching other kids, um, and they were only English teachers. I, I would, if my parents tried to teach me how to do algebra, I I don't know what would happen. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, homeschooling just wasn't an option. Um, so I ended up at Catholic school and I hated it. It was terrible. I I mean, obviously I don't think I've ever heard good things from Catholic school minus they, if they were all girls, then maybe there might've been an awakening there. You know, there, there are, there are some people who really loved the school I went to. I will, I will say that. And I did meet some really great people there, but, um, you know, when you're an 11 year old kid who hasn't figured out quite yet that you're gay, uh, being forced to choose a side of the room um, uh, based on whether or not you support gay marriage while your nun teacher looks at you uh, is kind of traumatic. Um, oh my God. Yeah. Yep. That happened. Uh, I was one of two people to stand on uh, the pro-gay marriage side of the room. I mean, that should have been like your first forced to reckon with moment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I told that story to my parents recently and they're like, why did you not tell us that? Um, because I have a feeling hell there would have been hell to pay on that one. Um, but I mean, it, it literally, yeah. You know, the one openly bisexual kid who joined our class for a hot second ended up dropping out before the year ended. But, um, I mean, it was, it was just, it was traumatic for me. Um, and there were, there were some things that happened there, uh, that weren't great for me. Um, not to mention that that you know age 12 or so is about the time you know when a lot of kids start experiencing mental health issues and i developed like depression and um started self harming at that time and was really just you know uh put in a really bad place mentally um and so i told my parents like i don't want to keep going here like i don't want to do eighth grade here um I wanted, and I had heard of one of my friends doing like courses online. And I said, I want to go to school online. And my parents looked at the school my friend had gone to and said, this is like the curriculum isn't enough. And so my mom actually found my high school. My high school is called Stanford University Online High School, which is super pretentious, um, but it's run by Stanford University. Um, And it's like a flagship program, the first of its kind, all that, that yada, yada. Um, but it was like the only school that they thought was, you know, sufficient, um, that they thought would be challenging enough. Um, because, you know, this was what, 2012 or something like that, 2011. Um, and online schools just hadn't like caught up yet at a high school level. Um, and they still haven't, you know, like not many people know that online high school is an option. Um, you know, six or seven years ago there, it was much less of an option. 
And so I applied, I was super lucky to get in. And, um, I think they saw that, you know, my mental health could not have, have managed another year. Um, and my school, again, like my school is a fantastic school. You know, it was, it was a really good program. You know, I was studying like philosophy at a really young age. You know, I, I started doing like, um, it's a little crazy, but like my eighth grade English class, uh, cause I actually started in middle school. Um, my eighth grade English class, we read like the Odyssey and the Iliad and Beowulf and shit like that. Um, so they were open to it because they saw that the curriculum was really good and that they saw, and they saw that I could not have kept going, um, at the school I was at, that it, it would have just been terrible for me, um, and my mental health. So I'm, I'm really glad that they, that they took action in that and they really yeah. were super considerate towards it. My parents are super awesome. They're very supportive, very, you know, they let their, their kid go to film school. Um, <laughs> you know, my mom did, I will say the first thing my mom said after, or maybe like the third or fourth thing my mom said about after I got into USC for film was practice with me. Do you want fries with that? Um, <laughs> oh they of me a little bit. Um, but they're, I mean, they're supportive um, and wonderful and I've always been, you know, very accepting of the weird shit I decide to do with my life. <laughs> you know, that's, that's so fantastic. Yeah, and they've they've been really supported supportive of Recon too. Like they've watched every episode. You know, my mom uh, keeps bothering me about what's going to happen in season two because she she's like, I want to know, I want to know, tell me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're very they're very good. I love them both so much that's so sweet so how how did they react and you don't have to share this story if you don't want to but how do they react when you came out as queer do you want to talk about your journey yeah. between realizing that yeah um so it, it I am one of those queers who just like buried it and didn't deal with it like I'm not one of the people who's like I always knew I was gay it's like I feel you he ran from it um and through no fault of my parents you know they they are, like I said, bleeding heart liberals um, who accidentally, like, didn't teach me what being gay was for, like, 10 years. Um, so they had, like, gay friends, and they really tried to expose me to, you know, healthy gay couples and just introduce that to me as a normal part of my life. Um, and because they didn't want me to, like, see a difference between being gay and being straight, Um and I didn't so much that I, like I said, I literally didn't know what being gay was until about 10 years old. Um, and I only really learned what being gay was as kind of a concept, like separate from being straight, uh, because of the 2008 election. Um, and kind of, uh, at that point, like gay marriage was, was an issue. And I kind of learned about homophobia. Uh, at the same time, I learned gay was being a concept. Um, Those are very, very sharp extremes. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, like, yeah. And I think the moral of the story there is that you you can't protect kids from homophobia. You need to, to educate them. But um, essentially, once I learned homophobia was a thing, you know, I was I've always been like an anxious wreck of a kid. Um, you know, I have hmm, like three different anxiety disorders or something like that. Um, but I, I was very anxious, um, very scared of judgment. And so it was, I, once I realized that, um, you could be like criticized for being gay or something, I just, 
uh, kind of buried anything that wasn't normal, you know? And I mean, not a lot of, a lot of kids when you're 10 or 11, um, or not a lot of girls when you're 10 or 11 talk about much else than kind of like crushes on boys. So I just tried to fit in. I buried it. Didn't think about it. Um, you know, there were, I think there are definitely a couple moments where I kind of caught on that there wasn't, that I wasn't quite normal. You know, I didn't, I didn't really ever have crushes on boys. Um, once I got a little bit older, I kind of forced them, I think. Um, but they weren't, it wasn't ever something natural. Um, and, you know, I think the closest I got was when I was 11, I was just like, am I, like, I, I thought, you know, am I a lesbian? And then I was like, nope, no, no, you're not. You're just tired. Go to sleep. And I went to sleep. Um, but I eventually at like 15 or so after spending time on Tumblr and getting my first boyfriend, I was like, okay, I am normal enough and I am, you know, I'm dating a boy. You know, I can still have the nuclear family. I can do what I'm supposed to do. Um, I can have, you know, husband, two kids, whatnot. I'm normal enough now that I can admit that I like girls. And that's an interesting place. Yeah. It's very twisted logic, right? So I got a boyfriend and promptly came out as bisexual. <laughs> um, and that was not accurate. I am not bisexual. I, I am attracted to about two boys out of the what millions and billions out there. Um, I'm very, very much gay. Uh, but I felt safer, you know, um, keeping the idea that I could marry a man and have kids traditionally and fit that mold. Um, I felt much safer admitting my attraction to girls and non-binary people at that point. Um, and you know, at that point I also had a lot of queer friends, you know, a lot of my friends were coming out as non-binary and bisexual. Um, and so I was in an environment where I felt safer as well. And in an environment where I saw other people coming out as queer, um, and being okay and still having friends. Um, and so I kept up that, that narrative with myself too. Like I really wanted to believe that I was attracted to men. I really, really wanted to believe that. Um, I was so scared of the idea of, of not being able to fit people's expectations or um, fit into a, a mainstream mold um, that I told myself that I liked boys. I told myself that it was okay. Like, yeah, my feelings for girls are different than my feelings for boys, but that's fine. You know, girls and boys are different. Like, I, I told myself anything I had to to keep up the idea that I liked boys. Um, and then my freshman year of college, uh, I did what many, many people do. And I, I partied quite a bit. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I was a very good kid in high school. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke nothing. Um, and then I went and went, I had just like one semester where it was very intense and I eventually like hooked up with enough guys that I realized this is not something I'm okay with. You know, like I feel more when I kiss a girl than I do when I sleep with a guy. And that was, that was really kind of like a moment of realization for me where I realized I'm gay, you know? And I, I said that for the first time to myself after, when I, while I was very drunk, um, with the person who's now my partner, um, after, after hooking up with a guy, I just kind of realized, nope, this is not something that is ever going to be a viable option for me. Like, I'm just not like, if I keep pursuing this, I will not be happy. Um, and so I had come out to my parents when I was like 16 or so. Um, they didn't give a shit. 
um they like I literally like I was talking to my mom um in high school because she's like I said high school teacher um she was one of the co-sponsors of their GSA and she was like she was ranting about how frustrating it was that you know she's straight and she's the sponsor of the GSA because there weren't any like um queer teachers to take on that role and like how she felt like she couldn't do as good of a job as, as a queer uh, teacher could. And I just said, well, does it help that your daughter's bisexual? And she said, nope, and continued complaining. <laughs> so, you know, I just as casually came out to my dad as gay uh, when he texted me to tell or to joke to me that, you know, one of his former students was going to USC and should he set me up with him because he's also ginger and we could have ginger children. Oh and I God. said, no, I don't like boys. And he said, oh, that's an update and <laughs> dropped the joke. Um, so, you know, after that, it was, it was pretty chill. Um, that's so lovely. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a lot of ways, you know, I was my biggest enemy in coming out. Like it was, it was really just all of this, this, you know, internalized homophobia and, you know, uh, internalized like, uh, oh goodness, what's the term? Like the heterosexism of the world that I just like internalized um, and really like bought into enough that it kept me from coming out. Um, I mean, my parents also, never issue. Yeah, mm -hmm. there's also nothing, there's nothing wrong with that because that's, yeah. that's the part of life. That's, that's the journey mm -hmm. of yeah. life is just to figure out yourself, but it, doesn't really, it wouldn't really matter, mm -hmm. you know? how many people you slept with, you know yourself now and you know exactly yeah, what you want. It. And that's amazing. Yeah. And, and I think like, honestly, like it, it, to me, I think says more about the world that we live in than it does my own, like, it says more about the world we live in than myself. Um, and I, I think like, you know, the fact that someone like me, you know, I am, I am, you know, white. I don't have any of the, the kind of like um, complex, uh, like there's nothing, there's no other like systems of inequality really working against me. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a white woman in a lot of ways. Um, I have, I should have had an easy coming out story. You know, my parents are so supportive. Um, my life has been really privileged in a lot of ways and it still took me 18 years. Um, and I think that just really, really shows like we've come so far, but we have a really long way to go. You know, we need to push for things like more representation in media. We need to have conversations with kid, kids about what being queer means really young. We need to kind of establish that it's okay. Uh, and we need to make sure that kids growing up know that because I should have by all like external markers had an easy time and I didn't. Um, we just, you know, we need to push for that. We need to push for acceptance and, and, uh, yes. Yeah. Yes to all. Yes to all of it. Just, yeah. There's, there's a lot, a lot of work to do. <laughs> I, I completely, I completely 100% agree because I, I feel the same way. I mean, I came out when I was 19 and yeah. it took, it was very, very strenuous, strenuous, strenuous event which yeah so funny um it all it took was a college professor smiling at me and I went <laughs> fuck I'm gay <laughs> like I just gave up and it was just a lot of changing labels a lot of switching things around a lot of yeah. and then when I finally came out it was like why was I stressed 
yeah, honestly, like I've since like being like, all right, screw it. You know, I, I like girls. I like, like my partner is non-binary, you know, I, I am attracted to like non-binary people. Like just ever since being like, I don't like boys. It's just been so relieving is how I feel like I was like carrying this weight, even when I identified as queer, but was using the wrong label. It was just such a weight. And now like just being like honest with myself, I feel so relaxed. It's not a big deal. My parents don't care. So it's just, it's been so much lighter and easier. And I look back and I'm like, I I wish it didn't have to be that complicated. Like I wish I I could have known what I know now. Oh, it's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. This is this is exactly the reason why I love running this podcast is meeting mm-hmm. so many different people and just learning everyone's experiences and just yeah. talking to the people who finally figured out who they are and just how relieved and how I know. It's just it's, it's beautiful it's, to see. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like talking to other queer people and like understanding their stories is amazing. And I think like something that really blows my mind is like meeting at this point in my life where, you know, a lot of the people around me aren't, you know, anxious, nervous, insecure teenagers anymore anymore, and are more like, you know, closer to like full-fledged adults, adult versions of themselves and know themselves so much better. Like they tell me about who they were in in like high school and how like insecure they were before. And it's such an amazing thing to see people's transformations, especially queer people. Like once they come into their own and realize who they are, it's just so incredible to see them become happier, be more confident, be more open. And it's just like, oh, it's so amazing. And it blows my mind to think that like all of these beautiful people around me were at one point, you know, insecure or hid parts of who they were. And it's, it's, I don't know, the transformation is amazing. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I get really beside myself when I just, someone knows exactly what I'm thinking. It's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, um, you said the first time you realized queer was a thing was during 2008 elections for politics, yeah. which that's a shame. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a real shame. Um, so I have this segment that's called the guest to guest question. Sure. Which is where my guest from the last episode asked my guests from the next episode, mm-hmm. a question to ask, you know, without having an idea who's going to be on. And I, yeah. I don't know how the world works, but you just got the perfect question for you. Mm -hmm. So last episode, my guest Spencer asked, uh, Mm -hmm. what was the best queer representation you've ever seen on TV? Oh, this is challenging. Um, But I also feel like you're the best person to answer this question. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I'll, I'll give kind of a couple answers here because on traditional mainstream television, there hasn't been a ton, but I would say Rosa Diaz on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, Stephanie Beatriz is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that storyline came from her being queer, from her being bisexual. Um, and they like the writers just like worked it into her character because it was important to, to Stephanie Beatriz. Um, and I don't know. I felt like that storyline was really well handled. I love seeing a queer woman of color um, represented on TV. It was the first time the word bisexual has ever been said on mainstream mainstream network Get television, which is out. crazy. Yeah, Get it's like out. crazy Fox. Like what? Um, yeah, like her saying the words "I'm bisexual" were the first time it's been said. 
And it's the first time there was like, I think like a character on mainstream network television who had identified as bisexual. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on that last one, but um, at the very least the first time, like they said the words bisexual, it, it's wild. There were like a groundbreaking character in ways that it should not have been groundbreaking. Um, but it's so amazing to see like a, a character like that being played by, Oh, I don't know. Stephanie Beatrice makes me so happy. Um, <laughs> but I also like, I mean, I come from web series as well. And I think that there's a lot of really awesome representation out there in the digital world. Um, and I mean, obviously like Carmilla was super groundbreaking um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways and really important to a lot of people. Um, but I would actually say Caitlin Alexander had another series called Couplish. Mm-hmm. Um that I think it, it's totally different genre from Carmilla. Totally different. It's like a drama um, type show. I saw. Um, I saw like probably the first half of that, and then yeah, life carried me away. So yep, <laughs> I totally understand. Um, but I think the character Caitlin Alexander played on that show is super interesting as a form of queer representation um, because it was obviously like. Uh, very similar to the way they experience attraction and experience gender. Um, so I'd say that was one of the more enlightening characters to watch and one of the more freeing characters to watch because there was, like, there were conversations about labels, but they weren't um, binary at all. You know, it wasn't about gay, straight, um, or man, woman. It was, it was much more about kind of the fluidity of attraction in ways that I found super interesting. Mm-hmm. Now I have yeah. to go watch the rest of the series because I <laughs> I started watching it. I was for it, but at the time, my wife is actually British, so we were going through the immigration circle, wow. and the topic got a little too close to me. So I yeah. was like, "I'll come back at this later when this has gone to bed." And yeah. here I am, still haven't watched the rest of it. Need to make amends yeah. for that too. It's it's definitely a darker show, um, and okay. So what would be your question for my next guest? Oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, I did not I did not think about this enough. Um, I surprise everyone with this, so don't <laughs> take your time. Um, I, um, I don't think I can help you. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I think I'd say, like, maybe keep with the TV theme. I mean, given my background. <laughs> um, what's like the ideal show that you would define? Like, what do you want to see in terms of like the next queer show, queer uh, web series, queer, whatever. Nice. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really fun. Cause I, <laughs> I actually know who my next guest is this time. And that's going to, I'm really looking forward to that answer. Yeah. Well, if you want to, you can go ahead and answer that question. What oh. is, what is the next on your agenda? Yeah. Um, so we are actually writing season two of Recon. Um, that's happening right now, and I'm super excited. It is, it's going to be a little bit more real than the last season. Like, it's going to be, like, more action and more adventure. And we went, we, we're going to change the format so it's not security cameras. We're shooting traditionally. It's, I'm really excited for that. Um, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, I've been thinking about going into the world of uh, digital non-scripted for a little bit. Um, so but like then, candid camera, like what is digital non-scripted? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm I'm thinking, you know, maybe doing something 
uh, like BuzzFeed style. Um, we're going to start doing like YouTube, like traditional YouTube's proper on the recon channel with some of our actors. Um, but I'm not sure about the next, next scripted project. I think, I think I'm going to go a little bit more real. I think I'm going to do like, I've, I've had an idea for a feature bouncing around in my head for a while now. So I think I might try and get that down on paper and do kind of like a queer high school drama. Mm -hmm. Um, that goes so if you could go into any genre if you could be a part of any any project at all Mm -hmm. like forget about limitations this is the perfect world what what kind of genre would you want to go into like alien sci-fi whatever comedy you know i am such a sitcom lover like my favorite shows are brooklyn parks and recreation um so I think I would want to work in sitcom and like sitcoms and in comedy. Um, hopefully I have the talent for it. My parents constantly make fun of me because uh. <laughs> they dream of work writing on SNL. And my aunt went, you're not funny, funny enough to be on SNL. And that has been the running joke. I know. Right. I told her that she's disinvited from any award shows that I ever, <laughs> that I ever get invited to. Um, so, you know, maybe sitcoms. Um, I also really like dramedy. Um, but for me, honestly, like things like sci-fi dra- or sci-fi and um, action, uh, I would never want to do those without comedy. Anything I do, I want to do with the undercurrent of comedy because I think, you know, laughter is, is so powerful and TV is escapism for people and I want to make people laugh, even if I'm dealing with aliens. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I completely agree with you because that's the kind of stuff I want to watch. I don't, I don't want to watch things that make me sad. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if I'll do aliens. I don't know if I'll do magic, witches, whatever. But it's all going to make people laugh at the end of the day. <laughs> that is absolutely fantastic. Ugh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, but I, I want to say thank you. This this has been absolutely lovely. I think what you're doing is absolutely lovely. lovely. And thank <laughs> you for being on. Absolutely. D- plug in where people can find you. I want I want everyone yeah. to be able to bother you. I mean, appreciate <laughs> you. Feel free to bother me. Um, my show's handle is Recon Web Series, R-E-C-O-N, uh, no spaces, underscores, whatever. Uh, and then I am Emma K. Drury. So it's... Um, Emma is my first name. Uh, K is my is the middle initial, and then Drury is D R E W R Y. So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, and I think that might be it. I do have a Tumblr under that URL, but it's like professional shit, so it's super boring. Mm. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on. This was such a wonderful what? conversation. Yes, thank you so much for having it with me. Absolutely. And if you ever want to come back on, like if you have something else to report or if (laughs) you know somebody who's like, hey, I need a platform to talk about shit, send them my way. I accept anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll I'll let some of my writers know. Um, Absolutely. I may have a good time. Oh, I'm probably going to watch your show and end up live tweeting it. I'm going to warn you now. (laughs) Let us us know and we'll like, let us know when you're going to do that and we'll retweet and all that jazz. Fantastic. Well. I don't know how to say goodbyes, but this is probably where we should do it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. (laughs)